Today I want to speak about a sacrificial love, and this is something that God's been really speaking to me in my own life for the past three months, and uh, been stewing in it, and God's been really working on my heart in this area. So I'm really excited to speak about this today. And speaking of sacrificial love, I was just thinking about my parents and how they sacrificed seeing my face every day so they could go to New Zealand and Indonesia and Australia, and I just understand what a sacrifice that would have been. <laughs> right, Dad? Mom, wherever you are. Back there. <laughs> um, a while back, um, I went to one of my bucket list dream concerts with my sister. We went and saw Mumford & Sons in concert, and they had a new CD come out called Delta. And as I was listening to the words at the concert, I didn't know all the songs from their new CD off by heart yet. And there was this one song, and as they sang the chorus over and over again, it hit me, and it says, does my love prefer the other, or does it just make me feel good? And they kept singing that, does my love prefer the other, or does it just make me feel good? And it really hit me. And literally, I can't stop hearing it every day since. And God's been speaking to me so much about it. <sighs> and it's easy to get so stuck in giving love to the things that just make us feel good, right? It's a whole other thing to give love when it's a sacrifice. But that's exactly what Jesus has called us to do, right? And it's the love that truly changes everything is a sacrificial love. I recently um, watched a Danny Silk video on the love languages and uh, was watching it because we were doing some marriage counseling and it was fun. And, and he was talking about how, you know, we have all the different love languages and rarely do we ever marry someone with the same love language as us, right? And loving a person in the way that they're, they want to be loved but it's not your natural love language is a sacrifice. And so, you know, for example, it's like, let's say this person's love language is affection, the husband, and the woman's is acts of service. So for him to come and clean the house for her or help her do all of these things, it's a sacrifice, right? And for her to come and rub his back when she's exhausted from all the kids, speaking of my own story, <laughs> it's a sacrifice, right? It's a sacrifice to do those things. It's not natural to us but it's so important to show that person value that I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to love you in the way that you want to be loved, not just the way that comes natural to me. It's at a cost to us, right? <clears throat> a quality time person wants to be open and vulnerable and wants you to sacrifice their time, and that's a really hard one when you're busy in life to take your time out continually again and again and be like, I'm going to take my time out and I'm going to sacrifice and go vulnerable and be deep with you because that's what you need. To create a love, a love of depth, and this is what God's been speaking to me so much, is sacrifice. Love just doesn't happen, right? It's effort. We have to be intentional. Jesus says in John 15, 13, for the greatest love of all is that that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. So good. 
And as we know, Jesus backed up all of these words, right, with the greatest sacrifice of all. You know, he doesn't say anything without being the example. And I wanted to um, read this passage I found in my book, Uninvited, by Lisa Turkheist, and it really hit me. It's talking about how Jesus could have run. Jesus knew the crushing heart feeling and he felt it. He carried it and he wrestled with it. And there was a moment when he could have run. The night was heavy with grief for him. Jesus ate with the disciples for the very last time. He tried to prepare them for what was about to happen, but they didn't really understand. Judas had left the supper to commit the unthinkable betrayal against his friend, his teacher, and his Lord. His feet were freshly clean from the Lord of heaven and earth. bending low to touch his humanity and rinse off the dirt. But the warmth of the best kind of love was soon traded for a handful of cold coins. And it was time for Jesus to walk with his disciples to the place where they had met so many times. Their gathering place would soon become their scattering place. John 18, 1 through 2 says, After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas the betrayer knew this place, and Jesus had gone there many times with his disciples. Judas was on his way with money clinking in his pocket and his steps with malicious intent. Though Jesus had some disciples close by, he knew he was utterly alone. Alone in his understanding of the seriousness of what that night was. Alone in his pain, alone in his assignment. Jesus said to Peter, James, and John, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here with me and keep watch. And his only companions fell asleep. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it was possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. And right there is the point where Jesus could have run. He stared at what it meant to press through the events of the cross. And every bit of his humanity cried out, take this cup from me. An interesting fact about the Garden of Gethsemane is that it sits at the base of a known escape route from the city over the Mount of Olives to the, toward the Judean desert. This is the route that David took when running from his son Absalom. Jesus would have known this, but instead of running, he turned to his father and said nine hell-shattering, demonic-shaking, devil-killing words. Yet not what I will, but your will be done. So good. He could have run. But Jesus' love will forever be the greatest act of sacrificial love that we could ever look to. A love that laid down his life in the face of anxiety in fear, in discomfort, in pain. He showed us the way. Let's look at some of the words of Jesus. In Luke 9.23, it says, Jesus said to all of his followers, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely, embrace my cross as your own, and surrender to my ways. Matthew 20.24-28 20, says, the other ten disciples were listening to all of this, and a jealous anger arose among them against the two brothers. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, 
Kings and those with great authority in the world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. But this is not your calling. You are led to be led by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one man with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. And he goes on to say in Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be the one who always serves the other from the heart. God's not looking for people who will <clears throat> just grasp at what they can get and, and, you know, how can I get here and how can I do this? He's looking for the ones who will promote the other, who will promote Jesus above their own life, right? And I wanted to read this story. It was really, it's a healthy, sobering story in Matthew 20, 45 through 40. It's a parable of Jesus talking about the wise and faithful servant. Who is the one qualified to oversee the master's house? He will be a reliable servant who is wise and faithful and one he can depend on. The master will want to give him the responsibility of overseeing others in his house. For his servant will lead them well and give them food at the right time. What joy and blessing will come to the faithful servant when the master comes home to find him serving with excellence. I can promise you that the master will put him in charge of all that he owns and raise him up. But the evil servant says in his heart, my master delays his coming, and who knows when he's going to return. And because of the delay, the, master, the, ma <clears throat> the servant mistreats those in his master's household instead of caring for the ones he was appointed to serve. He abuses the servants. He gives himself over to eating and drinking with the drunkards. And let me tell you what will happen to him. His master will suddenly return at a time that surprises him, and he will remove the abusive, selfish servant from a position of trust. And it's so easy to get comfortable and get into a routine and go through life just getting through, right? Just like, I'm just going to get through the day. I'm just going to make it till the end. And I just keep hearing those words over and over again. Does my love prefer the other, or does it just make me feel good? These words began to go deep into my spirit, and God began to reveal things to me that I'd begun to go into survival mode, and, you know, rightfully so sometimes with a little newborn and, and stuff, but it's just like, I'm, I'm just surviving. Every day, I'm just surviving. I'm getting through. I put the kids to bed, and I'm like, Netflix, I'm done, you know? But as I started to go through these motions over and over, my, my vision began to shut down. I started to feel hopeless. I started to feel a little bit like, God, are you really going to come through? I felt stuck. I was immensely tired all the time. And whenever someone asked me how I was doing, my answer was always, I'm tired. <laughs> Which is true. My days started to feel all the same. And instead of taking time with my kids, it was getting through it till bedtime. But I began to realize as these words kept coming to me, is my love preferring them or is it preferring me? I realized that I didn't need to just 
fall back on tiredness, but I could push through and connect with my kids, right? Connect with the people around me. God never wants us to stay as we are, right? He's always directing us, and he's good. And he's just gently being like, go this way. You know, he was never condemning me. He understood what I'm going through. He understands tiredness, you know. But he was just like, Amy, you're missing out. Amy, there's this for you, you know. He began highlighting people in my life who were really good at sacrificial love. And I began to look at their lives, and I was moved. I was moved by the way that they were loving me. I saw people in the church taking each other's kids so their parents could have a break. I saw my dear friend go over on Valentine's Day to someone who was hurting and bring a lemon pie. I saw a woman who was in so much pain, but instead of letting it get her down, she loved everyone around her to life. I saw people coming every Sunday early to set up chairs, time in and time out. I saw a woman who was going through all these things, but yet she would post faithfully what she was thankful for. And those incredible stories began to just resonate in my heart. And you know, you're, you're aware as a mom how fast your kids are growing up, right? It's just like, oh my goodness. And it began to, you know, be like, I'm missing out. I'm just getting through. God, I want to give so much more to them. So in a practical sense, every night they're like begging me, mommy, 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 tell me a story. And I tell these wild, crazy stories but I didn't know I had it in me to tell them every night. <laughs> so every night, can you tell it? Can you tell it? I'm like, Mommy, just, mommy, just, just go to bed, okay? <laughs> just go to bed. Mommy's tired. And I started being like, no. I see the joy when I tell it to them how much it means. So now I come into their room, and I get in Malachi's bed, and they all crowd around me, and I tell these wild stories for them. And now the routine is Zeke, after I'm done, has to tell his own story. And it can go on and on. And now it's like an extra half hour of bedtime routine. When I prided myself on 7.30 down, done, you know? And it's just like, no. And, and he takes some of the bits of my story and incorporates it with farting and different things like that. So, uh, But it, it, it's just seeing the joy it's brought them has brought me more life, right? And, and my daughter Aslan is quality time all the way. And she wants my time all the time. And I'm like, mommy needs some of my own time. But it's been good lately. We've been watching the greatest family showdown cooking show or whatever episode together as a whole family with even Brighton, you know, and his extra saucer bouncing around. And just like the joy it's brought her. And then after we talk about things that we can cook together and just seeing the difference of like how it's made in her. Like when I used to hug her, she'd just try to get out of it. And now every night she asked me to give her a kiss when we go to bed. And then just see the bond that it's creating when I sacrifice. <sighs> I remember Stephen Curtis Chapman talking about he had a daughter who got ran over by his son when he was coming too fast into their driveway and she died. And I went to his concert and he talked about how every night, you know, they would be crazy and, and jumping around and he wanted to just go to bed and he would sit with his girls and tuck them in every night and talk to them. And he's like, those are the things that I cherish now, you know, and I, I don't forget that. Hmm. I'm trying to put a lot more effort into people and 
you know, my family, even when I'm exhausted, and it's worth it. And the amazing thing is, you know, I have been feeling hopeless. I've been feeling broken. I've been feeling like, God, I'm just so tired. Since I've been implementing this into my life, my hope has returned. My joy has returned, and my meaning for life has just gone up, and my hunger for God has gone up. And I just realized that sacrifice is actually so rewarding. I mean, can you imagine when Jesus did it and it was finished? The feeling. I sacrificed it all. And look at the fruit, right? There's fruit out of sacrifice. There's always fruit. You know, and and there are times where it's okay to be tired and okay to just take a chill day. And I'm not saying you have to sacrifice every minute of the day. And there's times to just sacrifice for you, right? But it's, it's so worth it. God's so gentle when we're bogged down with life. I save this quote on my phone and I go back and read it all the time and it's, it just really backed up all the things that I've been feeling. And it reminds me to be intentional as I build relationships and work on my life. And the truth is, um, this is from Danny Silk, it says, the truth is it takes intentionality skill and invested effort to create a relationship full of joy, connection, and significance. And it just hit me. It's like, you, you, th- you think you're just going through the motions that it's just going to happen, right? But it takes skill and intentionality to have a relationship that lasts the distance. You've got to put in the effort when you're tired. You've got to you reach out to them. You've got to love them where they're at. Good relationships don't come without sacrifice. And I grew up most of my life without any friends. I didn't know how to sustain friendships, you know, and and we moved. And so it was like, okay, like we're good friends. And we'd, you know, pen pal for a little bit back then or whatever. But as time went on, you just slowly, you don't have any, you know, shared memories that keep going on. And so slowly you distance yourself from those people. And just after like school of ministry, God began to heal my heart. And I began to open myself up to friendship, you know? And everything in me wants to run from it sometimes. Whenever I'm hurt, I'm like, close down, close down, you know? But as God's healed my heart, I've had lots of hurts since then. But it's like I'm able to then trust God and open my heart up. And it's like it's so worth it for the richness of the friendships and the inpouring, you know? It's like it's better to have loved and lost than to have never had love, right? Hmm. My sister Melissa wrote a great blog on community and how to make adult friends. And it, it just convicted me too. It's just like, it does take effort and put yourself out there and it's scary, but it's so worth it. You know, when you have a lifetime of rejection, everything in you will tell you, just stick to yourself. And, and family was always enough for me because we were a close family. But God wants you know, us to have so much more in our lives. We felt a while back that we were supposed to homeschool Aslan, and we really felt that the Lord confirmed it. And there were so many days I would go to my room weeping and begging God to let me send her to school, and I was crying out to God, I can't do this, I can't do this, you know? And you go past the phase where, like, people were like, hey, where you go to school, little girl? And she's like, I'm homeschooled. And they're like, awkward, you know, like, let's just change the subject. And I had to go through all of those emotions, and now I don't care, but... You know, there's so many times where it was just like all of these emotions and like Aslan was hard to homeschool for us. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, let's read. And she's like, no, 
I hate reading and run to her room. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose it. And I did sometimes. And I remember one time going into my room and it was a turning point for me. And I was crying out to God in my room saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. God, please, God, I can't do this. It's too hard. And all these people are like, well, you're built for that. I'm a mom. I could never do that. And I'm like, I am not built for it. Like, I am so not built for it, okay? Like, God just told me to, so I do. And I was having the God time, and God was speaking into me, and he was loving on me. And then he said to me, Amy, everything worth something is hard work. Are you willing to put the work in? Because it's going to be worth it. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, God, you have to put someone in my path to tell me this is what I'm supposed to do that doesn't know my situation. And that night we went to a meeting, and this girl came up to me, and she knew that, like, that we had had a little daughter, and she thought she was still a baby. And she's like, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that you're supposed to homeschool your daughter. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> no, it was good. It was like, okay, Lord, you're enough. You are, you know, I'm listening. Okay, I get it. <laughs> it's, no, it's still no walk in the park, but it's so worth it. And Heidi Baker in my life, I'm sure many of you know her. She's been such an inspiration to me. She's been such an amazing woman, and I just see the way that she gives and gives and gives and gives her love away at great cost to herself. And one of her main messages that I love is, go low, go slow, and love the one in front of you. And that's always been something I'm always like, God, I don't have to think about loving everyone, but every day just loving the ones you put in front of me. And it's helped me so much. So I wanted to tell you this little story about Heidi. <clears throat> so two years ago now, I think it was, maybe, yeah, something like that, we went to United Pursuit Re Reunion, which is one of my favorite worship bands. And it was in Tennessee um, at Johnny Cash's farm. And we were all tenting it out with like 1,500 people and just worshiping together and having sessions. And it was so good. And on the last night, they're like, we have a surprise for you. And I'm like, it's Heidi. I know it's Heidi because Heidi is a big part of why United Pursuit are who they are. And her son-in-law is one of the members of United Pursuit. And so her daughter was there and stuff. And I was like, it's going to be Heidi. It's going to be Heidi. And yes, Heidi came out that night. And a lot of it wasn't like, a lot of people there were like Baptists and stuff had never experienced Holy Spirit. And Heidi just came in and just the way that she did it was so beautiful. And she went after like the orphan heart and all of this. And she had Everyone stand up who feels like an orphan. Everyone sit down who doesn't. Now everyone go pray for everyone who feels like an orphan. And it was this incredible night. And she, she was doing all this stuff. And at the end of the night, you know, I'm always like this. I rationalize things back and forth. And I was like, I don't need her to hug me. I'm secure in who I am. I don't need to talk to Heidi, but I really want to talk to Heidi. So I got in this line finally, and I was waiting and waiting to, to hug her and chat with her. And this guy cut in front of me. And she hugged him, and then the United Pursuit guys were like, okay, she's had enough, guys. You know, we're just going to take her away. And they whisked her away. And I was, like, devastated, actually. And I was walking back to my campsite, and I was weeping. And I was like, I'm secure in who I am. Why am I weeping like this? Why am I feeling like this, God? And God said to me, you feel like hugging her would be like hugging me. And I was like, yep, that's it. She's the closest thing to Jesus that you see. 
And I was like, oh, God, I just want to hug her. And I was like, maybe on the way back to the campsite, I'll see her and I'll be able to hug her. And I was, I was walking through, you know, the aisles to the campsite. There she was with her family, but they were all sitting down and like she was holding her granddaughter and chilling. And I felt like it's not the time and I'm okay. And I was just like dealing with my heart with God and, and just being like, you're enough. Even if I never get to hug Heidi or whatever, you're enough for me. And I was having this conversation with God. So fast forward to the conference, January and January for the 25th anniversary of Catch the Fire. And we go and we go to the front to get prayed for and um, for the pastors and we fall back and I fell into Heidi's chair and um, Adam fell into Bill Johnson's chair. And Adam had said, if I go to the conference, I'm like, I'd love for Bill Johnson to pray for me or touch me or something. Oh, if I just get touched by Bill Johnson. And so it was funny because Bill Johnson had to come and get like his Bible and stuff. And so he came up and he was like, that wasn't the way I thought it would be. But he like, he's like, hey, you know, and Adam's like, oh man, I'll get up. I'll get out of your chair. I'll get out of your chair. He's like, no, stay there. It's anointed. And he put his hand on Adam and like, he's like, he's reaching under my legs to get his stuff. And it was pretty cool. And, uh, and I was just like, oh, that's awesome and stuff. And I think it was the day after Heidi spoke, I was just waiting in my chair and she started to come back down the aisle right where I was. So I decided to wait it out because I'm like, I really want to hug her this time. And Amanda was holding Brighton and she was in front of me. And as Heidi was coming down, I was again debating, like, I don't need her to hug me. I don't need her. Like, you know, I, I don't want to be that needy person who needs a speaker and all of that stuff. And, and all of a sudden, God's like, just hug her. <laughs> like, geez, Amy, just hug her. And so she came, and I, like, reached forward in front of Amanda, and I just grabbed her and hugged her. And she just is so loving. I looked into those eyes of hers, and I felt so loved. And it was like, just like God's like, I see you, Amy. And, and to top it all off, she saw Brighton. And she's like just grabbed Brighton out of Amanda's hands. And she just was like loving on Brighton. And I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> it was so sweet and it was so special. And it was just like God sees my heart. And he, and he knows and it's just amazing. This woman, she continually sacrifices her life and, and looks for the one, and she loves the one in front of her. And she never asked to be famous. She never wanted that. She just wanted all that God had for her, and she opened herself up and kept laying herself down. But, you know, even Heidi admitted at the conference, I get things wrong, of course. But she was like, she would not allow her kids to be bathed in warm water. It had to be cold water, and she would not eat cheese or take a bath. And those were her two favorite things because she's like, if people have less, then I'll have less. And finally, one time, God was like, eat cheese and have a bath. Like, stop. Like, that's the wrong kind of sacrifice. I'm not an orphan God. Like, I have more than enough for my children. She kept giving away her shoes everywhere she went, and she kept getting diseases on her feet. And God was like, keep your shoes because I got more than enough shoes for all my kids, you know. So it's so good. Then oh. that's what we're called to. And I feel like a lot lately, and I've been chatting with a lot of people, God has been asking people, am I enough? If your dreams never come true, if you, you know, had to lay down your instrument, if you didn't, you know, get this thing that you want, am I still enough for you? And I love that. 
And it's just like God is calling people back. And I think so many times we're like so focused on, I want my destiny, I want my destiny, where's my destiny? And God's like, I'm here. I'm here right now. Do you just, just love on me? Just, just open yourself up to me. And he's just calling us to his heart. And that's the sacrifice, right? To take our time. And, and, you know, and he's not physically there to hug. He's not physically with us, but he's there. And he's calling us to just love on him and lay down tomorrow and all of those things and be present. And I feel like sometimes when we the best way that we can walk into what God's called us to is in intimacy, is to just be close to his heart. You know, it's like when we walk with Jesus, then we walk into what we're called to. It says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your path. If your dreams never came to pass, is he still enough? Remember, having that time with God, you know, when we, we felt called to this church plant, and we felt like it was God, and I've, I fell to my knees at a point, and I said, God, if it never comes to pass, you are still enough for me. And then we get a building, like the next week, after like three or four years of waiting. So I'm like, ha, 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 I see what you're doing here, God. <laughs> oh. I constantly remind myself that my desire to shine, that human's desire to be all that they can be is not meant for us, but to reveal the glory of our daddy. It's to shine him and not ourselves. And God's been speaking to me, you know, not everyone's called to be famous. Not everyone's meant to be a rock star on the stages, but we're all called to love the ones around us, and love God with all of our hearts. Mark 10.43 says, You are to lead by a different model. If you want to be the greatest one, then live as one that is called to serve others. Mark 10.44 says, The path to promotion and prominence comes by having the heart of a bond slave who serves everyone around them. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by others, but to serve everyone. He gave his life as ransom, the price in exchange for the salvation of many. Jesus calls us to even serve the ones that, we de- that despise us. It says, Luke 6.29 says, To those who despise you, continue to serve them and minister to them. And I think many of us have said this in our messages as we've preached up here, but it's an upside-down kingdom. It's totally upside down. It's totally opposite to what the world is. The world is like, get yours. You, 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 you. Get what you need. Get what you need out of the the person that you're going to marry. They need to be, you know, they need to be all that for you instead of Jesus is like, lay your life down. You know, as Jesus served the church, serve your wife. You know, Submit to your husband because he loves you like Christ loves the church. It's like, I'm going to give myself to you. And, and I love that. God's been speaking to me that so much because it's so easy. I like my sleep. I really like my sleep. I'm not a night person and I'm not a morning person. I'm just sleep and then the rest of the day. <laughs> I'll sleep in and I'll go to bed early. Now. Um, but 
my husband is such an amazing example of sacrifice. He gets up early and he goes to bed late and he serves us continually and continually. He's always showing me <laughs> such a heart of love. And it, and it really convicts me in a good way. It's not a guilt way, but it's just like, God, I want to be a person that is known as a person who loves freely and gives myself up for others. It's not a me gospel. It's not me relationships. We're called to humility. That we would not exalt and promote ourselves, but that we would promote Jesus and the other. Chris Valentin said this, and I had it on my fridge like 10 years ago, and I would read it every day. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking less about yourself and more about other people. So good. <laughs> and I love this example. It's like a king or queen that deserves the best seat in the house, right? And they go and they give it up for, you know, the lowest person there. And they say, no, you have it. But they know who they are. They know that they, are, they deserve that seat that's meant for them, but they give it up for others. Mm. They want to serve instead of dominate. Does my love prefer the other or does it just make me feel good? And God has called each and every one of us to a life that is filled with joy, that is filled with all of these things. And I'm realizing as I walk this out that these things do bring joy. As I, as I sacrifice for my kids and I see the relationship grow and I see all these things, I'm like, it's so worth it. It's so worth it to see the people that I love flourish because I sacrifice for them. Acts 20.35 says this, I have left an example for you of how you should serve and take care of those who are weak. We must always cherish the words of the Lord Jesus who taught us that giving brings a far greater blessing than receiving. You know, and it's, it's like, I liked Christmas, and then I had kids, and I love watching them. You know, it's like, they give me a gift, and it's so sweet, and it moves my heart. But when I see them open a gift that I give them, and they're like screaming and freaking out, it's awesome, and it's so much more. It's so much more joy, and I'm just like, it's so good. As you see your life poured out for others, it changes them, but it also changes you. <sighs> Even when no one sees too, God sees. And there's no greater ministry on earth than ministering to the Father, than giving your life for Him. <sighs> Let's pray. Hmm. God, we just thank you so much for what you sacrificed for us. That in our sin, you loved us first. When we reject you, you pursue us and you never give up on us. May we be a people that never give up on the other. God, I repent for all the places where I've thought about me and how can I get mine and how can I get what I need. Would you help me to be like you, Jesus? And the amazing thing, guys, is that none of this is ever alone. None of this is ever done in our own strength. It's God in us. 
Jesus was so gentle with me. Three months of in my tiredness, he knew, but he was preparing my heart. Amy, does your love prefer the other, or is it just making you feel good? Where are you at on that scale? And he began to gently convict my heart. And on Thursday, I think I met and ministered to like nine people. And that's not a normal thing I'm going to do every day, but it was so life-giving. I was exhausted at the end of the day, but it was so life-giving seeing the encouragement that I was able to pour out. And it's just like, God, just use me. That I may not shine me, but shine you. That I may be your willing vessel. He's looking for the nameless, faceless generation that will lift him up. So God, I just pray right now. Yeah, would you just hold out your hands? Give us strength. Show us what you would have a sacrifice. Show us how to serve. Help us not to be so selfish. It's only you. We're all born so selfish. I've been so selfish. Help us to continually give you our lives. 